Welcome to 15 Minutes to Wellness by the American Council on Exercise. I'm Dr. Michael Mantell, the ACE Senior Fitness Consultant for Behavioral Sciences and your host for this series. My goal today and for every podcast in the series is to discuss some small steps you can take to help you better your life and find happiness through health. In each broadcast in the series, I'll interview a new health and fitness expert. I also want to welcome the hundreds of thousands of folks searching for positive ways to make health, nutrition, and fitness a part of their daily, hectic, busy, tight, and budgeted lives. I'm so excited to be able to welcome today uh, Jonathan Ross, who is a senior consultant for personal training for the American Council on Exercise. Jonathan has received so many recognitions and awards for his work in the fitness industry. He's been the 2010 IDEA personal trainer. In 2006, he was the ACE, American Council on Exercise Personal Trainer of the Year. In 2003, he was the personal training director of the year by PFP Magazine. Jonathan is the author of Abs Revealed, a terrific book that's out there that everyone who's interested in health and fitness and wellness definitely should have on your must-read list. He has served as the Discovery Health Fitness Network and hosted the Discovery Health Series Everyday Fitness. Let me tell you that you can reach Jonathan before we even get started at at Jonathan Ross Fit on Twitter, and his website is aonfitness.com, A-I-O-N, fitness.com. Jonathan, what a pleasure it is to be able to chat with you for the next 15 minutes or so. Thank you, Michael. It's a pleasure and an honor to join you. You've had a great lineup of guests and you're doing terrific work with this podcast and I'm honored to lend anything I can to enhance the quality of what you're putting out. Well, let's get into it. I appreciate you saying that. Let's talk about what's happening out there in the world of training, fitness, weight issues, why people eat. We have so much information. You can't open up your uh, computer these days without being bombarded with 10 different approaches to all the same thing, which is ultimately health. Do you think it all comes down to willpower? It could. And the fascinating thing that we're learning about willpower is as it pertains to exercise, if you're using willpower to exercise, then you're doing exercise wrong. Because what we want to do is create a sense of enjoyment around physical activity. And it has to be challenging enough and it has to be consistent enough to make the body change. However, if we don't enjoy it, we aren't going to be drawn to it long term. So if we are using willpower day in, day out, week in, week out to get ourselves to follow through on our exercise program, we will wear out our willpower. We don't have an infinite amount of it. It dries up if we overuse it. Exactly. The fascinating part about willpower is why we even have it in the first place. So if you think about back when we were becoming a more social species, we were starting to live together in small groups. The reason we have willpower is because we can't really just live for ourselves anymore if we're going to be social. So we really need to add, uh, don't piss anyone off to our list of priorities if we're going to live in a group because you can't go steal your neighbor's food and expect not to be kicked out of the tribe. So we have this willpower to kind of do the harder thing where it might not be immediate gratification, but it's the more difficult thing to do in the moment, but it has a greater reward down the line. That's why we have willpower. So if we're using it day in, day out, hour by hour to get through every little challenge to say no to the junk food at the office, to say no 
to the dessert at lunch and the sweet treats when you're out at the mall and you're using it to drag yourself to a workout that you're hating, you're really fighting a losing battle because you're exhausting your willpower on things that you should be enjoying, like eating and like physical activity and exercise. We're meant to enjoy both of those. So the trick is in figuring out how to enjoy it and also save your willpower. You're a personal trainer who can talk about this. A lot of personal trainers focus on reps and specific types of exercise. What is unique about you? Well, I think from the outset of my training, I was always interacting with people from the mindset of treating the whole person like a person who has things that are important to them beyond exercise. They have a family, they have a personal life, they have a professional life, they have hobbies, interests, things that they're spending time on outside of exercise, whereas most of us in fitness, we think that exercise to us is one of the most important things. There's no way we would imagine not doing it. But for other people, they're just really trying to fit it into their everyday life. So I've always had a respect for the whole person and figuring out how to make exercise fit, not just that person's life and their schedule, but also their preferences and their likes and dislikes, where we can make it challenging enough that they make progress, but we also help them successfully integrate it into their routines and into their day-to-day life. So help our audience understand what to be looking for when they seek out a certified personal trainer. How are they going to find a Jonathan Ross? That's a great question. It's, um, it's not as easy as you might think because there's, there's a lot of trainers that are certified, but certified is kind of a minimum entry level just to get into the industry. It doesn't convey any sense of quality. And I would say that a big red flag when working with a trainer is someone who has you working out right away, especially if it's a one-on-one relationship. In that first session, if they give you an actual workout where you're tired and sweaty, that's a bad trainer. And I can say that with confidence because I know that to, to do truly personal training, You can't create a personal program unless you know the person behind the program you're going to design. So unless the trainer is taking the time to learn your likes, dislikes, your injury and exercise history, your health history, the the amount of time that you have realistically to exercise, and then they create a program to fit all of those needs in addition to just your goals, then that trainer is really just focusing on the workout itself. And many trainers, they lack the confidence to take time to ask those questions, and they want to almost put on a little bit of a show, so to speak, with their workouts. So they feel like they need to justify the expense that the individual is making in terms of sweat and energy and soreness. So if someone's working you out right away, that's a big red flag. Also, look for a trainer that is, that is going to teach you how to exercise. So what I want is when I go to travel to speak and sometimes I can be gone for weeks at a time because I've started speaking internationally now, I want all my clients to be able to work out without me. And a a lot of people have such a difficult time understanding this. It's quite humorous. When I first talk to many new clients, I'll explain to them how I do training, and I'll tell them right up front that ultimately I want to reduce dependence on me for you to have a successful exercise program. And they get a little confused. They're not sure what that means. And so I explain this. I say, well, I want to teach you how to exercise. So we meet each other more often initially because I need to create your program, teach it to you. But over time, you should need me less and less. So we're going to have less frequent appointments over time. And they still don't get it. And I go, well, look, if I get abducted by aliens tomorrow. (laughs) If if you got abducted by aliens, you'd be the uh, fitness trainer for the alien world of the year. (laughs) There's no doubt about that. So you mean to tell me that if you go to meet a trainer in a typical gym in around America and the trainer says, so what are your goals? And the person says, well, I'd like to tone up, you know, firm up. Great. Okay. So let's get started. That's a bad sign. 
That's a bad trainer. Yes, that's someone you want to steer clear of. And they don't even really know what those goals are. From one person to the next to say they want to get toned, what does that really mean? And more importantly, why? Every, every decision we make is really emotionally driven, whether we're willing to admit it or not, as rational as some of us like to think we are. We often make decisions, especially ones like hiring a trainer, are very emotion-based. So if we have the beginning of a fitness experience that is not tied to our emotions and things that we care about. If someone says, great, you're motivated now, I'm going to kick your butt in a hard workout, rather than I'm going to figure out what really motivates you deep down, why you're telling me you want to lose weight, why you're telling me you want to get toned, why you're telling me you want more energy. Unless I know that why, I can't keep you motivated when the tough times come. And they inevitably do. Everyone goes through challenging periods where it's harder to follow through on the commitments and stay consistent with exercise. And if a trainer takes the time to find out your why with exercise, they can help see you through those difficult times as opposed to saying things like, just do it or come on, you know, how are you ever going to achieve your goals if you don't do it? And very, I don't want to say disrespectful, but just maybe glib responses like that, where it's not really respecting the emotions of the person that are driving the real choices. So you are talking about something that goes far beyond exercise physiology, sets, reps, uh, weights or machines, or do I do crunches this way or do I do, do it that way or planks? You're talking about the psychology, the behavior science behind this all. And really what you're saying is that you're as much a coach as you are anything else for these individuals. Absolutely, because that's really the only way to have someone make change long-term. Think about it like this. If you hired a trainer every single day of the week, let's say just during weekdays, you had five days a week, you had a, you had a trainer for an hour, or let's say you went really nuts and you went uh, two hours a day. You did a morning session and an evening session, so you hired a trainer for 10 hours a week. That's insane. That's, a, that's more than anyone hires a trainer for. So there's 168 hours in a week. If you had 10 hours with a trainer, you've still got 158 hours where you need to engage in lifestyle behaviors that will promote the, the results and the progress that you want and that will drive the results that you're after. So, but if you don't do that, if you just see a trainer two, three hours a week, but you still don't adopt lifestyle behaviors, you really won't be making long-term progress. So if you're only relying on the workout experience with the trainer itself and you're not adopting things, you're not learning things from the trainer, if the trainer's not educating you on how to live more effectively and how to successfully integrate exercise into your life by actually learning to enjoy it more, you may not love it as much as trainers do, but just learning to have that sense of, I, I say just getting a crush on exercise. You may not ever love it, but you have to at least get a crush on it. Mm -hmm. You are an expert in helping people develop willpower. You have exercises that you take people through to teach them a little bit about how to increase their willpower. Uh, some people call it grit, and it, there's a, there is a neurological science behind it all. But m maybe through the podcast right now, you can explain a couple of exercises that you take people through for developing willpower. Uh, absolutely, and it's fascinating because the body, in terms of muscular exercise, behaves very similarly to the brain with willpower exercise. So if we really crush some of the muscles in your body, you get wiped out from it, and you can't function. So the same thing happens with willpower. If we destroy our willpower by just really using it up, using it up, using it up, then it's not there when we, when we might need it. So if we do some basic, simple exercises that don't exhaust willpower, we can actually enhance willpower. So everyone listening right now, whether you're standing or sitting, not if you're driving, but cross your arms across your chest. Just fold your arms. And now notice which arm is on top. And now put the other one on top. 
if you're sitting or standing and you're doing this, it's probably feeling a little bit unusual and a bit weird. So that's an example of a willpower exercise. Some other examples are to brush your teeth with the opposite hand from the one that you normally use. You put your jacket on with the opposite arm first. You step into your pants with the opposite leg first. You open bottle caps with your opposite hand. If you ever clasp your hands, you'll notice if you interlace your fingers, you tend to automatically put one hand on top and the other one. If you start doing it with the opposite hand on top, or if you clap your hands, if you're, if you're clapping at how great this podcast is right now, try to clap with the other hand on top. It usually has the hands offset just, just a bit. Try to change that so the other one is higher than the one you normally have on top. So all these different little strategies, and there's, if you start thinking of movement in terms of this, you look for opportunities throughout the day. You have a whole bunch of really easy willpower exercises, and the reason these are powerful is that they don't exhaust your willpower. They make you resilient. They make you thoughtful about the things that you're doing. So they build that willpower, your resiliency, where you can have a little challenge to willpower, but you're building your reserves by training the, quote, willpower muscle. Now, so... Uh, we had Dan Goldman on, who uh, has a new book on focus, uh, the hidden driver of excellence. And a, a lot of what you're saying now is about focus, attention. How important is that in the workouts, routines, and programs that you develop for people? Well, it's essential because to the extent that someone is aware of what's going on in their body, you can safely predict the type of and the amount of progress they're going to make with exercise. I mean, let's face it, we have shows on TV now called I Didn't Know I Was Pregnant. So obviously people are very <laughs> disconnected from their bodies. It's inconceivable to me that someone could walk around not knowing there's a living thing growing inside of you and then it pops out and you're shocked. But that's the level of disconnect that goes on with our bodies because for better or for worse, whatever you want to say about it, our society has gone more towards driving us to our intelligence, our brain, our thought processes, rather than our physical selves. But our physical selves are just as important because they're intimately connected and the brain functions better when the, when the body exercises. So we really can't get away from this sense of purposeful movement. And too many people, they put that little box around the one hour of exercise or half hour, or hour and a half, whatever it is they do. That's, that's their movement part of the day. And then the rest of the day, they look to avoid as much activity as possible. We have to, in, we have to kind of reintegrate an awareness of our physical selves into our moment-to-moment -moment experience. And when you do that, you're actually a little more thoughtful about some of the choices that you make. And then that thoughtfulness helps you save willpower because you actually want better choices as opposed to standing there trying to keep your arm from reaching for that cupcake, you don't want it as badly as you used to. Many of our uh, listeners have probably been reading about something called NEAT, non-exercise activity thermogenesis. And you just talked about the idea of being aware of you know, activity during our day. Where does non-exercise activity come into play? So you're training somebody on a Monday morning. They're not going to see you again until the following week. What, what kinds of uh, recommendations do you have for non-exercise activity during the between training sessions? Well, that's a fantastic question because the answer to that question helps drive a greater sense of enjoyment surrounding exercise because for too many people, especially those that are, that are maybe hard on themselves with exercise and they really want to just kind of force themselves to do it, it's a very isolating experience. They might go to the gym and put their headphones on and just isolate themselves from their loved ones. And it doesn't become connected to anything real in their life. So great to have your gym workouts, but at least once or twice a week, go out, do something physical, inside, outside, doesn't matter. I mean, go out, just go out into the world, do something physical that you enjoy and or with someone you love. 
So it can be as simple as kicking a soccer ball around, or if it's just, you know, it's too cold this time of year, it doesn't really matter. Find something physical that you enjoy. Go for a brisk walk with someone, bounce a tennis ball back and forth, make it interesting. Just doesn't have to be challenging, doesn't have to be a sport. You don't have to have a lot of skill. You have to do something physical that your enhanced fitness is allowing you to enjoy a little bit more out in the world, either by yourself or if you want to share that experience even with someone you love, it'll make it more enjoyable for you. So then when you tie getting physical to being happier and having a greater sense of enjoyment, you'll then be subsequently more drawn to pursuing further physical activity. So it kind of makes it a little more lifelike. It makes you care about it more when you take it from an individual disconnected pursuit in a gym and then take it out into the world and do something. Jonathan, you are a delight to have as a guest. Jonathan Ross is a senior consultant for personal training with the American Council on Exercise and the author of a fabulous book called Abs Revealed, uh, which is an intelligent approach to abdominal training, but so much more. You hear that Jonathan really is a life trainer. Um, and uh, you can reach Jonathan at AonFitness, A-I-O-N Fitness.com. You can read more about him there and follow him along on Twitter at Jonathan Ross Fit, uh, at Jonathan Ross Fit. Jonathan, thanks so much. I'm sure that uh, we'll be connecting again very soon, American Council on Exercise. And for everyone who's been listening to these 15 Minutes to Wellness, I'm sure they've learned a lot from you about how to pick a trainer and about how to integrate physical activity into the uh, daily life. So thank you so much, Jonathan. Well, you're welcome. It was a pleasure to join you. And uh, I want to thank everyone for joining us today. As always, I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast and continue your journey to health and fitness by visiting acefit.com, where you can find everything you need to live your most fit and healthy life. You can explore thousands of healthy recipes, health and fitness videos and articles, uh, workout plans, health programs, creative ways you can get your family moving, and really expert insight on a wide range of topics. Join me next time on 15 Minutes to Wellness, which you can find at acefit.com slash fitcasts. I'm Dr. Michael Mantell, thanking you for being with us on 15 Minutes to Wellness. Wellness.